that in mind, here we are in our series called The End. And we're calling it a look at the major end time events. Boy, one of the struggles of this series is, you know, I've got so many illustrations, so many things to talk about, and it's hard just to pull it together and not go, I could preach a year on this stuff, literally. And so what I'm just doing is I'm hitting the tops of the mountains. I can't go into every little detail. I can't tell you what the third toenail of the beast is, okay? <laughs> we don't have time of that, okay? But, but I can hit the mountaintops uh, of uh, prophecy. So that's what we're trying to do. Now, one of the reasons that I know the end is, here, uh, end is near is because the Jews are back in the land. Jesus said, when that happens, you better be looking around because Gabriel's licking his lips, ready to blow that trumpet. Okay, now think about this. Jerusalem is just a tiny, tiny, excuse me. Israel, the nation of Israel, is just a tiny, tiny, tiny piece of land on earth. The Bible calls it the center of the world. Isn't that something? Israel is the belly button of the world, okay? It is the center of the world, okay? Um, and that's where Christ will rule and reign from. And the most hated nation on earth is Israel. That proves that the Bible is real. That proves that all this stuff is going to happen because why isn't other countries hated like Israel's hated? Because, listen, the devil from the beginning, when Adam and Eve had, that, uh, had the baby and God told uh, Eve that through your, your, through your seed, the Messiah will come who will straighten out what y'all did in the Garden of Eden. And so Satan has been attacking the Jews. He tried to kill Moses. He tried to kill the babies with Jesus. He's tried everything he can to snuff out the gospel. And he knows that Jesus is going to rule and reign because... Because the devil knows the Bible, right? The devil knows the Bible better than we can. He can quote every scripture in the, scripture in the Bible. And so, anyway, pardon the puberty jump there. I went, scripture! Anyway, <laughs> anyway. Um, so, anyway, uh, the devil knows that. He knows Jesus is going to rule and reign, so he's doing everything he can to thwart it from happen, happening. And that's why he hates the Jews so much. Did you know I was listening to a former terrorist, a Palestinian terrorist, who, who said this, that in his hometown, it has written on the walls, we knock on the door to heaven with the skulls of Jews. Isn't that something? And here you go, they're on the news every night. Why is this tiny piece of of a land on the, on the news every night. Look at this. That's Israel right there. You see the flag and it's pointing to it. That little tiny piece of land. There's only somewhere the latest figures are around maybe 7 million Jews. They do not pose a threat to those are Muslim. Like 1.7 billion. And those 1.7 billion are focused on that little piece of land. Why? Because the devil knows... That's where Jesus wants to rule and reign. So the devil's doing everything to demonically inspire religion called Islam to go after and to demonically inspire people to hate Jews from the day they're born. So, now, we're going to talk about the millennium when Christ straightens all this out. 
This is Christ's rule on earth. Now here's an overview of what we're going to talk about today. This is kind of the outline of this whole message, but I wanted you to see the flyover first. We're going to explain what the word millennium means. We're going to give you the meaning of it, and then we're going to talk about how there are different views of the millennium. Remember, there's the pre-tribulation rapture. There's the post-tribulation rapture. There is the post-millennial rapture. You know, um, all these kind of things. And so there's different views also of the millennium. Then we're going to talk about the overview of the millennium. What happens? What are the events that happen? Because there's going to be several different events that happen during the millennium and at the end of the millennium. Then we're going to talk about when the millennium happens, it's going to totally change the earth that we're now living on that will be mostly destroyed during the tribulation. Jesus is going to straighten it out. What will it look like? What are the effects of the tribulation? And then we're going to say, what? Why doesn't Jesus just go ahead and take us on to heaven? Why do we have to come back to earth and live here a thousand years during this period? So that's the flyover of what we're going to talk about today. Now here is a verse all the way back in the New Testament. I mean, Old Testament. Here's what it says about this millennial period. And the Lord will be king over all the earth. On that day there will be one Lord, His name alone will be worshipped. Now here's the explanation of the millennium. Uh, The meaning of the millennium. Uh, There is a Latin word that this word in the Bible is used from. The first one is the word milli, which means a thousand. Okay, A millipede is a... a, uh, a little bug has a, like a thousand feet on it, okay? So a million, uh, I mean a milli means thousand. And anus is the word, remember how you used to get a, a yearbook at school and everybody would sign your yearbook and you hope a good looking girl would sign it and say, oh, you're one of my best friends. Oh, look who's on my yearbook. Okay. Um, but one of the things that we called it, we didn't call it a yearbook, we called it an annual. That's where we get the word anus from. So the millennium is a uh, thousand-year reign of Christ. Now, I want to show you something because some of our dear brothers do not interpret this literally. But look what it says here. Here's my understanding of how to interpret Scripture. If the plain sense makes sense, use no other sense. Listen to that again. If you read the Bible in the plain sense is making sense, don't try to spiritualize it. Use no other sense. Okay? Now look what it says here. Whoops. Uh, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan. He made it clear who that was. And bound him for a thousand years. How long is that? A thousand years. And he cast him in the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations longer, no more, till the thousand years were finished. How long is that? A thousand years. All right. But after these things, he, that is Satan, must be released for a little while. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded, that's a tribulation saints, for their witness to Jesus Christ and for the word of God who had not worshipped the beast or his image. 
and had not received His mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not uh, uh, live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is He who takes part in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with Him a thousand years. Remember, uh, one, of the, one of the things that we learn um, as, in Scripture is, is this. Um, it, it, let, me, let, me, let me go on right here. I missed this. Now, when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth. Gog and Magog, which is a religious, I mean, a, a king over his little kingdom, lost people, to gather them together for a battle whose number is as the sand of the sea. This happens during the millennium. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints from the beloved city, that's Jerusalem, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them, the devil who deceived them, and was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. What happens to the beast, the false prophet, and Satan? They're thrown into the lake of fire. How long does the lake of fire burn? This is important. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Isn't that not clear that when you get thrown in the lake of fire, you're tormented forever and ever, day and night? reason I tell you that is because there are some Christians who do not believe in a literal hell. They believe that the righteous will go into eternal life, but the lost people, they will not go into a literal hell. They'll just be snuffed out. It's called annihilationism. Okay? Now, now, then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were open. These are just lost people. And another book was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works, their level of punishment in hell, by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead uh, who were in them, the resurrection of the lost that are about to go to hell. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Watch this. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone, focus on this, not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I do not understand for the life of me how people can say that if you're lost at the end, you're just going to snuff out. Because he just said the Antichrist, the devil, false prophet, uh, is going to suffer in the lake of fire forever and ever. And these people are going to suffer in the lake of fire forever and ever. That is the final hell. All right, now. The views of the millennium. Let me go quick because we have a deadline this morning. Long story on that. Uh, <laughs> uh, first, there's the pre-millennial interpretation. This is what we believe. This is what we went over right here. And that is that Christ will literally, that's a key word, reign on earth for a thousand years. Literally. The thousand year reign will occur immediately after the tribulation period at the second coming. Okay, That's what... Most Baptists believe there's that rule of interpretation of the plain sense makes sense, use no other sense. This is key. It was the earliest view. It was the earliest of all views of the millennium and was held until about the third or the fourth century 
uh, and it came back into prominence since the 17th century until now. A lot of the reformers, you know, believe that uh, um, the, excuse me, not, the reformers didn't believe this. A lot of people, it was this big thing of history, they didn't believe this. But it's interesting, it was the first view. Because to them, the plain sense made sense. They decided to use no other sense. And now there's been a revival of this since the 17th century until now. I want to tell you that because a lot of people say, well, it's only been since Hal Lindsey wrote that book, The Late Great Planet Earth, and only since Tim LaHaye wrote the Left Behind series that we've been talking about this. Here's the Greek word for that, hogwash. Hogwash. The people discovered what they knew in the first through third centuries. And I'm telling you, people will tell you that. Now, here's the craziest one of them all. The amillennial interpretation. You put an A in front of something, it negates it. A theist is someone who believes in God. An atheist is someone who doesn't believe in God. So, the amillennial interpretation says this. They spiritualize the millennium. They say that's not literal, that thousand years, even though God repeats it a million times in that verse... They believe the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan are on parallel tracks, which increase until the return of Jesus. Uh, there will be one general resurrection and one judgment. They believe that Satan is already bound. Would you give me a break? Do you think Satan's already bound? I can prove that every day of my life he's not bound yet. Okay? Uh, th this view was not held into the 3rd or 4th century. Now, the post-millennial interpretation, post means after, right? We have the postlude after service. They believe that Christ's kingdom is now being built through the spreading of the gospel and that most people will eventually be converted to Christ and therefore we will have a Christian world. Here's another great word for that. Okay? Do you think the world is getting better and better now? Do you think more people are getting saved right now? I don't think so. They believe that when the world becomes Christian, then Christ will return. If that's the truth, we got a long way to go. <laughs> All right? And they don't believe in the rapture, even though Paul said there's going to be a great snatching away. Now, you notice the first one takes the Bible just literally in its plain sense. The other two take it, they spiritualize it, they had to put it into pretzels and cram it in the Bible, and that's not how you interpret the Bible accurately. And I'm telling you, there are people who believe that. Now, let's take a look at the overview uh, of the millennium. Let's take a look uh, uh, real quick at that. Here are the, first, there's the events of the millennium. Now, th these are going to be a fast list with fast verses, so buckle your pew belts. The events of the millennium. First thing that happens is the binding of Satan. God's going to put a chain around him. And look at what it says right here, Revelation 20, 1 through 3. Then I saw an angel coming, up, coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. That means this, when he's bound, it means this, Satan can't do anything during that millennial period. And he cast him into the bottomless pit, and I guess what that means is, it's a bottomless pit, don't you think? And Satan, I guess, is going to be falling for a thousand years. Isn't that something? In pitch black darkness, falling a thousand years. And set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years 
uh, were finished. Now here's another thing that's going to happen during the millennium. The restoring of Israel, the way it was supposed to be all the time. Romans 11, 12, uh, 25 through 27. Um, I want you to know about this truth from God, dear brothers, so that you will not feel proud. He's talking to Gentiles. He's talking to us. And start bragging. Well, look at us. The Jews blew it. We got it all together. That's what he's saying. Yes, it is true that some of the Jews have set themselves against the gospel now, but this will last only until you, all of you Gentiles have come to Christ. Those of you who will. And then all Israel will be saved. Do you remember what the prophet said about this? There shall come a, out of Zion a deliverer. He shall turn the Jews from all ungodliness. At that time, then I will take away their sins, just as promised. What does that mean? Since God rejected the Jews, or actually the Jews rejected God, there's only been this tiny bit of Jews saved during this big Gentile salvation period. Tiny little remnants all throughout this period, okay? That's by the grace of God. But God says they're going to get so whooped up during the, during the tribulation, He's going to prepare their hearts for the Messiah. And when they see Jesus coming with the pierced hands, they're going to have to repent of their sins, just like we, we do, and trust the Lord as their Savior. It's going to be a miraculous thing, but they still have to do what we have to do. Now here's the key. Did you know that during uh, Hitler's reign, he wiped out one-third of the Jews on earth? Did you know that during the tribulation period, the Antichrist is going to kill two-thirds of the Jews? And so what do you have here? You've got another remnant of the Jews that are going to get saved at the end of the uh, uh, tribulation period and going into the millennium. And when that happens, God's focus again is going to be primarily on the Jews living out all the promises of God that He gave them throughout the Old Testament. Now, then there's the reigning of Messiah. Because Jesus doesn't just come down, He erects a throne. Isaiah 2, 2-3. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains. That's Jerusalem. It's on a mountain. And shall be exalted above the hills there's going to be this great earthquake that pushes it up even higher. And all nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, Come and let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us His way. So you, right now you're hearing from little brother Jeff. You're going to hear from Jesus teaching His word then. Isn't that going to be something? He will teach us of His ways, and we shall walk in His path, for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. The main, remaining, excuse me, the reigning of the Messiah. Then, after the end of those thousand year periods, God's going to unchain Satan, bring him back up, boom, on earth, the unleashing of Satan. Revelation 27 through 10. Now, when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out again, can you believe this, to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together for battle, whose number is the sand of the sea. They went upon the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints back on earth during the millennium. And the beloved city, they're all coming against Jesus in the beloved city. And fire came down out of heaven and devoured them. 
The devil who deceived them was cast to the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. The people who rise up to try to kick Jesus, can you believe it all? At the end of that rule and righteousness of Jesus on earth. Then the judging of unbelievers. The judging of believers happens here. That's us, the rapture. The judging of tribulation saints, when Jesus separates the sheep from the goats, happens here. Then the judging of unbelievers, the lost of all time, will stand before Jesus and they will be judged right here at the very end of the millennium. It is called the great white throne judgment. Look what it says here in Roman, uh, Revelation 20, 11 through 15. Then I saw a great white throne, that's Jesus on it, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. Huh. And there was found no place for them. You can't hide. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before throne. The Hitlers and then the little church lady who never gave her heart to Jesus Christ. Standing before God and books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were just according to their works, what their punishment would be in hell, by the things which were written in the books. The sea also gave it the dead which were in it, and the death in Hades delivered the dead which were in them. And they were judged, each one, according to their works. Then death and Hades were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Remember that old song we sing? When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. And when the roll is called up yonder, and God looks in his record books and said, your name isn't in it, so-and-so, then uh, you, <laughs> you will not be there in heaven. All right? And so that is some artist symbolism of what the lake of fire is. That's the permanent hell. It's not here yet. The people who are in hell now are suffering. Gehenna hell is what they call that right now. They are suffering. Remember rich man and Lazarus? He said, oh, Abraham, I mean, since, I mean God, please send somebody from the earth down here just to give me a, a little dip of water on my tongue because I am tormented in this flame. People that are in hell now... That uh, the temporary hell are suffering right now. Now the effects of the millennium. What does the during this time God's going to restore the earth? Because remember, most of it's obliterated during the tribulation period. Most of it's got probably got nuclear contamination and plagues and stuff like that. Um, pandemics like crazy. Seas turn to blood. Moon's messed up, everything's all messed up. So guess what Jesus does when he sets up here? He regenerates the earth. Makes it like the Garden of Eden. Here's how we know it. There will be physical changes. The deserts will bloom again. Isaiah 35, 1-2 Even the wilderness of the desert will be glad in those days. The wasteland will rejoice and blossom with spring crocuses. Yes, uh... Um, there will be an abundance of flowers and singing and joy. The deserts will become as green as the mountains of Lebanon, as lovely as Mount Carmel, I've stood on there, or the plain of Sharon. There the Lord will display His glory, the splendor of our God. Here's another thing that will happen during this time. I did that backwards. I was like, what happened there? Okay, now, harvest will be plenty. 
Right now, the government has to subsidize farmers, don't they, sometimes, because there's a famine or something like that, or there's an abundance of rain and floods. Ain't going to happen during the millennium. I mean, they're going to be taken in a truckload. The people on the tractors at that time are going to have to work in day and night, and they're going to be uh, enjoying it too. Harvest will be plenty. Then he, Isaiah 30, verse 23, Then he will give you rain for the seed which you will sow in the ground and bread from the yield of the ground. It will be rich and plenteous on that day. Your livestock will graze in a roomy pasture. Here's another thing that's going to be wild. Animals will be tame. Isaiah 11, 6 through 8, In that day the wolf and the lamb will lie down together, and the leopard and the goats will be at peace. Calves and fat cattle will be uh, uh, safe among the lions, and a little child shall lead, lead them all. The cows will graze among the bears. Cubs and calves will lie down together, and lions will eat grass like the cows. Babies will crawl around safe, safely among poisonous snakes, and a little child who puts his hand in a nest of deadly adders will pull it out unharmed. Hey, you know what that means? You're going to have to worry about toddlers during that day. <laughs> you want to say, don't touch that. Don't touch that. Doesn't matter. They just stick their hand in snakes. <laughs> Nothing wrong there. Animals will be tamed. Then diseases will be healed. Amen? Uh, right now, believe it or not, I don't know what's wrong because I think i got one leg longer than the other leg. And right now, my ankle just hurts, you know, and it just hurts, and it won't be hurting then. Won't be hurting then. I don't think I'll be fat then. Amen. Glory to God. Okay. Uh, I think I'll be able to breathe again. <laughs> uh, okay. Whatever your ailment here is on earth, you won't have it anymore. Diseases will be healed. Uh, no child, Isaiah 65, 20, no child will die in infancy. Everyone will live to a ripe old age. The, the people who... Now, we're going to live eternally because we're already in our glorified body. But these people who get saved uh, during the tribulation period, they're going to live a long time, just like the saints did in the Old Testament. They live several hundred years. And anyone a hundred years of age will be considered long, and to die younger than that will be, be considered a curse. Not a curse, but it will be considered a curse. Here's another thing that happens. During, not only their physical changes, there will be spiritual changes in, in the millennium. Universal joy. Everybody will be... Uh, joining around here. Uh, Isaiah 12, uh, 3 through 4. With joy you will drink deeply from the fountain of salvation. In that day you will sing, thank you, Lord, praise His name, tell the nations what He has done, let them know how mighty He is. These people are fired up with joy. And guess what else happens? If you got joy, you got peace, universal peace. It just makes me laugh when people say, we're going to do a Middle East peace treaty. We're going to solve this problem once and all, once for all. It ain't never going to happen. I know the news better than them congressmen up there, and you know the news right now better than those congressmen because it ain't going to happen until the Prince of Peace reigns. Look what it says here. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, written 700 years before Jesus came the first time. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, which means the Father of Eternity, Prince of Peace. His government and his peace will never end. That hadn't happened yet. 
He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all of eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. Then here's something that's going to be a while, uh, pretty wild. Universal knowledge. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I mean, they're going to be a... Most of the people during the uh, millennial period are going to be saved. Now, there's a few not going to be saved. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Then there will be governmental changes, physical changes, spiritual changes, now governmental changes. Boy, do we need governmental changes, but it ain't going to happen until the millennium. There's going to be the Savior there. The Lord will mediate between nations and will settle international disputes. Do you know there will be international disputes during this time? There will be few, but guess who solves it? Jesus. They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will no longer fight against nation nor train for war um, anymore. Now look what happens to us, the saints. Um, what we're going to be doing. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been ruler over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. So those of us who have been faithful servants, will, God will make us ruler over different things. Some of us will probably rule some type of big area, smaller areas, a tiny area, according to our works. The subjects during the uh, millennial period uh, in Revelation 19, 15. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he would strike the nations and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. You know what? This rule will be uh, during the millennium. We're going to have a dictator, but you know what he's going to be? He's a perfect dictator. And he's going to act in perfect love. You know what they say? The best, the best rule, government rule is, is a a fair dictator, but you know what? Something about the sinful nature, somebody becomes a dictator and their sinful nation rises up and they get corrupted. But Jesus won't be corrupted when he's king over all the earth. Now, what is the purpose of the millennium? I'm going to go real quick here. To encourage us that God's promises are true. Now, I'm just going to give you the points, and you can write down the reference if you want to. Remember, all throughout here, there's going to come Messiah. He's going to mess up what Satan did here. That's true now. Jesus tells them one day, I'm going to rule and reign. That's true. Jesus tells them that uh, the Messiah is going to come back, rapture the church, and they're going to come back down and rule Christ. That's true. Everything Jesus promised... When he promised the Jews, Jesus is going to come rule and reign, the Messiah is going to come rule and reign, and uh, they thought, well, what happened here? He's a little baby. But Jesus says, the Bible says one day, all that's going to come true. Here's another thing that we learned. That was Ephesians 3, 3 6, if you want to do that. Um, to remind us, the control of God is absolute. <laughs> if you don't get anything out of prophecy, you ought to understand this. God's in charge of the whole thing, no matter how dark it gets. He reminds us the control of God is absolute. Ephesians 1.11 To demonstrate the wickedness of man is inexcusable. Now here's, here's what I want you to get. We see that out of Jeremiah 17, verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Guess what happens to those tribulation saints? They're just like us. 
we have already been glorified. We have, our sin nature has been eradicated. We will sin no more. But the people who go through the tribulation period will be just like we are now. They're still going to have the flesh in them that wants to make them sin. When they have children, guess what their children are going to be like? Just like our kids now. Our little granddaughter Ava is the, the youngest one. And uh, somehow she got into our bedroom and moved something she shouldn't have moved. And it landed over in our bed and made a scratch. We heard something, boom, we walked in there. I mean, she was just a little bit over a year old, I guess. She was sitting in there and she saw Gail and I walk in and she was like, she knew she had done wrong messing with that thing. I'm telling you, is, is Brother Lynn, remember Brother Lynn who came here and preached the Valentine's banquet here? He said, those little things are sinners. Okay? And so guess what will be happen right here, Tribulation Saints? They'll have kids who are sinners. But here's the difference. Right now we got Satan against us, right? But during the thousand year period, Satan's going to be bound. And it shows us this. We can't be like Flip Wilson who said this, the devil made me do it. Okay? God reveals the fact the human heart is corrupt during that period. Okay? To, uh, and then, I want you to read this and then we'll be done. And uh, from Charting the End Times, <clears throat> Tim LaHaye and Thomas Ice. Crowns are a symbol of authority. As such, they denote the authority that will be granted to Christians during the millennial period when they reign with Christ for a thousand years. Now, Christians will not be running around with one or more crowns upon their heads any more than the Queen of England wears the crown all the time. The fact that she is the queen entitles her to the crown, which gives her the authority to exercise her queenly prerogatives. So it will be with believers during the millennium. Christians are now entering their position of service for Christ during the millennium. Knowing this should give us incentive to pursue better and more lasting heights of Christian service here on earth. Every Christian who desires to serve Jesus uh, Christ to the maximum during the millennium is advised to heed our Lord's challenge to the church of Smyrna in Revelation 2.10. Be faithful unto death and I will give you a crown of life. The millennium will be a time in which the Adamic curse will be rolled back. That's key for what we're going to do during the invitation song. Remember the ground was cursed? It won't be cursed during this time and in which people will live for a hundred years, that is at least. Christ will sit on the throne of David and rule the world, bringing peace and righteousness. The millennium will be a time of spiritual, great spiritual triumph, in which the nation of Israel will fulfill her destiny, and the Gentiles will partake of tremendous blessings through Jesus Christ and the nation of Israel. The Bible describes the millennium as a time of righteousness, holiness, truth, and fullness of the Holy Spirit as never before. The millennium will be a time the millennium will be a time of tremendous environmental transformation. Isaiah 35 uh, 1-2 tells us that the desert will blossom, be productive, there will be abundant rainfall in areas that today are known for their dryness, and there will be plenty of food for animals. In addition, the predatory instincts of animals will cease. Lions won't eat meat, they'll eat vegetables again. Mary, they'll become vegetarians like you are. The distinction between the tame and wild will be erased as all creatures will live in harmony. Isn't that something? Now look at this. Physical conditions for people will also drastically change for the better. 
People will live much longer and many physical infirmities and health concerns will be eradicated. The absence of sickness and deformity along with increased lifespans will minimize the differences between those who still have mortal bodies, tribulation saints going there, um, and those who have resurrected bodies, that's us during the millennium. In the midst of enhanced environment, people will enjoy prosperity, uh, injustice, and disease will never cease. Now look at this. The Catholics have got it all wrong on this. Revelation 5, 9 through 10. This is what they're saying up in heaven to Jesus. You were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God. You know who the real priests are now? I'm a priest, you're a priest if you're saved. And we shall reign on the earth. Not just Jesus reigning, we shall reign on the earth. And so the Bible says we're going to be a kingdom of priests. The kingdom of God on earth. Our Father in art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, the millennial. All right, now look at this. Back to the verse we started with. And the Lord will be king over all the earth. On that day, his name alone will be worshipped. 